Hello, and welcome back to Flights to Allegazia. It is myself, Chip, and Armin again. We are chilling. We are vibing. Uh, Armin, how are you doing? I'm great. It is uh, Monday night. I have a deadline Wednesday morning, and I'm not doing it. Well, that's that's a shame, Armin. You should take your education more seriously. But on the flip side, for a lack of education, <laughs> I want to say thank you to everyone on our Patreon support is because I was able to purchase a better monitor PC for myself to do the podcast and editing and Zoom and such like that. Um, on behalf of all of you guys' help and everything, again, like I said, everything that you guys put in and support us with goes right back into the podcast. We don't use it for anything else but for the, for things for the podcast. So we just want to say thank you again for all your support. Uh, thank you for listening to us. We are wrapping up this series, I believe, because at the end of the session, I feel like we're going back, like going back into like the big hunt or the big. Oh hunt, yeah, yeah, we're, right? we're going like, like this we're, is we're the last. The end. What is it two hundred pages? I want to say maybe yeah. two fifty that we have left to read after this session, um, which is pretty badass. So thank you again for all your support, and I'm so Absolutely. glad you all stick with us. And even the other day, as we're in book four, someone else messaged us on Facebook and was like, "Hey." I just found your podcast and that's great. Please keep telling everyone about our podcast. We always want more people on here. We always want to have people be a part of our community and grow our community, especially as we continue this as a life journey going through other fantasy series. Absolutely. We do really appreciate y'all support. It's a big help. Yes, yes. With that being said, I do want to ask you, Armin, how did how did you, how did football go this weekend? It was it was good. I didn't watch. I didn't just see the game. Oh, oh yeah, we crushed it. Okay. Well, there we go. I mean, it was also UNLV. Yeah. But that's what we said about, you know, Stanford. Marshall. Yeah. But, I, you ready for uh, two weeks from now? I am. I'm very ready. Honestly, the game could the game could fuck itself. I'm just happy to see Oscar. I mean, you just seen Clemson almost get beat by Syracuse. I know Clemson's almost gotten beat every week. That's true. They always pull it out the edge. Yeah. Like Clemson almost lost to State. Clemson almost lost to Syracuse. Clemson was losing to Florida State for a little bit there, I think. Yeah. Um. They've, they've been they've been like squeaking by. Now we're not going to be the ones to hold them accountable because we can't. No, Notre Dame doesn't have to stand up for shit. But um, <laughs> but it'll be fun anyway. Uh, with that being said, everyone, thank you again, and we're going to jump right in. Armin, take it away. Absolutely, we're we're really getting into our our big major themes here. It's all coming together. We're starting with chapters fifty three and fifty four. If you're reading along with us, a question of character and the vault of souls. I was willing to put some money in my left kidney on the fact that Aragon was going to figure out his real name uh, or his true name. Yes. Um, which, I mean, it was pretty obvious. It's called a question of character. All of this is about them solving the problem of the Vault of Souls by discovering their true names and their true identities. And if, you, if you, for some reason, like read the next chapter title on accident, you would hope that they had figured it out by what the title is. You know what I mean? Yeah. So. Wasn't there like two chapter titles called The Vault of Souls, or was the last one called The Rock of Kufi? It was called The Rock. Okay. Um, but I thought this was going to be a pretty typical like chapter. I was I was surprised. Like I, I was fully surprised. I was thinking that it was going to be rather stereotypical in terms of like how they discover themselves. Um, but before we get to that, one I found it very funny at the beginning. Aragon just like wishing that. Angela could tell him his true name. He's like, dude, really? Like, out of all of the stuff that you know about true names and all that shit, really? You're going to want somebody else to tell you what it is. Yes. I love how the toads are what reminded him of her. Yeah, I was going to reference that too. It's like, is that an insult? Is that like like something like funny and quirky? Like what? I, is he roasting sure. the shit out of her? <laughs> like, I'm not this? sure because we never really get like, I mean, I guess we do get a description of her, but we don't get like an intense, you know, description of her or anything like that. Yeah. I don't know. Like most people, you can compare most people to animals. So I guess Aragon just like compares Angela to a toad. All right, everyone, this is what we want you to do. Knowing this through the podcast and pretty much only the podcast for everyone except for probably my wife and some of Armin's friends and our, our friends to combine. What animals do you think Armin and I represent? You are my contact picture for you. Rizzo the rat from the Muppets. Oh my fucking god! <laughs> Oof, 
you ask that question, everybody, please don't ever answer that question. Ever, 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 ever. You know, you, do, you know, do, do you want to know why? Because you know, you your brother? Know. No, 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 no. no. Why, why would my brother... I thought he was the one who originally brought it up. I mean, yes. Actually, it was my dad that originally made that joke. But um, oh. no, it's because Rizzo is always looking for lunch and food. And will always be around if there's food. I'm around if there's not food. And there's that one screenshot that we have of you where you're making the exact same expression as Rizzo the Rat. And it's just too perfect to ignore. All right, everybody, please scratch that question completely. <laughs> Don't answer that question, anybody. God, all right. Back to the story. Back to the yeah. story. Um, <laughs> <laughs> anyway, um, just a small note here. Just a, a, lot, a lot of small notes for this chapter because, you know, Obviously, everybody knows the big reveal that happens. But um, small note, I do really, I really appreciated the detail of Aragon, of how Aragon was feeling that he knew Sloane's true name, but not his own or Saphira's. He's getting frustrated because, like, he can he can figure out what like this murderer's true name is. He can't figure out his own or Saphira's. Like, I know that was a really, really tiny point, like a sentence long. Right. But I really appreciate, like, that's a lot of emotional complexity that you know just i didn't, I didn't want to pass up because it's really interesting i like that Kalini chose to implement it like keep with aragon's character regardless of like the bigger plot thing that's happening right now uh, yeah, I, think top, thing, I think on top of that is also that uh, another thing with sloan is that which we find out his name well we don't get to know his name his true name but the whole part about how he feels about his true name i'm gonna die i want to dive into later but it's a really ironic to me about the frustration he has about knowing Sloan and as a reader, as we know Sloan and what he has done and yeah. his true name, what that represents to it, it's, I love Paulini's at the end of this. I love how Paulini never tells us what his true name is, you know, like we don't know yet. Yeah. I think you know, he doesn't tell it for anyone. Okay. Even when we find out all of theirs, I don't believe there's any like actual like wording of any of their true names. Okay. Um, but I get like you're also I also feel what you're going. Like, he doesn't describe Sloan's name either. Um, I think I don't know. I still I still don't think we're done with Sloan. But I was thinking, you know how we keep on saying like you know, oh we've got like there's still a lot of book left, a lot of plot left. Honestly, given how Palini writes, I'm not entirely sure that between whatever like three chapters that's going to be just Aragon v Galbatorix plus whatever three chapters. That's the Varden versus the uh, Empire, plus whatever like nine chapters there is of wrap up. I'm not sure we have all that much left. I think that nine uh, chapters of wrap up is where it's going to be. I think we're going to get through the big yeah. plot. Yeah, I feel I feel like there's a lot of, especially with the early writing in the storyline. I'm saying it's the same people, don't worry. But the storyline, he brings a lot from Tolkien, right? And if you think of Return of the King, God, ninety percent of that book is so fucking wrapped up, shit. Okay, 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 okay. I, I, I will protest. The movie exo- like drove that along a lot. I read the, the book. Yeah, the book. Yeah, you're right. The book, the book drove that on. The movie was nice. It said they went back, and then they went to the Rivendale, and That's then fair. they... I see, they, like, I always liked, like, the Battle of the Shire, though, which is, like, at the end of Return of the King. I do, too. I love it. I wish they had it again, but... Yeah. I had it's, it in, the it's in the extended edition, yeah. Is it really? And the uh, the four hour long director's cuts. It's in the last one, I think. Oh, I'm pretty sure. It was. I didn't think it was, but okay. It's been like six years since. No, it's been like eight years since I've watched this. That's fair. So, I might be entirely wrong on that. Please correct me. But, um, regardless, I, I think we'll definitely get one final callback to Sloan. But we'll 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 find out. I think we'll get one more callback. <laughs> I love how like their one of their practices for like figuring out their true names is just listing all the things that's wrong with each other. Yeah. Um, yeah. No, but it, it makes sense though. It like, does. Obviously, it does. your personality is not just the good things about you; it's also your flaws. I like how much attention Paulini paid to this. Um, in a way, I feel like he's kind of now. This might just be entirely be. I feel like in the part about the flaws, I feel like he was kind of like ruefully laughing with us. It's like we we've basically just been abusing Aragon this entire time um, just for how stupid he is at times and then Paolini make, like, has Glader just instantly call him out on 
uh, dude, you're arrogant and you're petty as shit sometimes. Yeah, pretty <laughs> so, much. So, all right. No, like, respect. Like, obviously, we knew that was intentional on Bellini's oh, end yeah. anyway, but I think that was a bit of a reminder that it was intentional, too. Um, so, all of this, this entire series, this, especially from book one and now and book four, all of it's been about growing up. And I think, actually, we can go ahead and go into this, one of the deeper things. Um, but I think one of the reasons why this series appeals so much and has such a strong connection to a lot of our listeners, if I'm wrong, obviously we have an email, please correct me in it. But um, is that Palini grows up with Aragon. He grows up writing Aragon. People grow up reading Aragon. And Aragon itself, the inherited cycle is about growing up. And so it's basically like, I'm continually surprised by just how much of a coming of age story it is wrapped up in the gift box that is the genre of fantasy um because i draw more like obviously aside from like the face value parallels that we draw to like lord of the rings or star wars and all that stuff thematically i draw more parallels to um to kill a mockingbird than i do to most other fantasy books from this um in terms of like what it's like growing up that sort of loss of innocence whereas aragon realizes at the end of this chapter which i loved realizing that you're not the same person that you were when you were younger, which oh, yeah. we're going to talk on that a lot. I loved, loved that Palini did that because that's one of the most intense and weird feelings. Like that is a strange feeling. To, I don't just, I've, I've felt that before and I, I don't know about you, but it's so weird to record. Like I, it's hard to define that feeling because it's, it's, it's just bizarre. It's like, when, when you finally realize that you're not who you were or that you're not who you thought you were, it, it's both, it can be both relieving. It can be sad. It can be very humbling. hopeful. It can, that actually, that's a great way of putting it. Yeah. yeah that's a really good way of putting it. A humble it. Um, that's like one of the most profound things growing up that we feel is that change, that shift in us. Um, and how we interact with the world around us. I love that Paolini made that the center point of Aragon's personality, or the center point of Aragon's true name. Yeah. Um, you don't see that I, too often. I believe that if Aragon went to find his true name earlier on in the series, let's say the first time he went to Trishim, right? Let's say he figured out his true name. By this point, it would have changed. Oh, absolutely. You know, absolutely. maybe two or three times. Yeah. Like, I think that yeah, is something definitely. that is crazy. And I, I, I'm going to say that, I'm going to say that it's, you know, it's not true, but you can't teach a dog or, a tri- or old dog to do tricks, right? A lot of old people are set in their ways. A lot of adults are very yeah. the same person. So I feel that as you're older in this series, it take, for instance, your true name would be very consistent. It might vary a little bit, I think as you grow, as it mentions Glacier later on in this section that we covered where he has, you know, centuries of, you know, life to make, uh, to make do into a name. But my point is, is that he, that, that we as people, as we grow, uh, especially from any age, if you have newborns, you watch them change every day. You watch them learn every day something new. And it's just more and more. And then as you get older, you learn different life lessons. And I don't think you ever stop learning life lessons. I feel like if you feel that you've stopped learning life lessons, then you need to get out of your house because that's probably the only place you've ever lived. Uh, But my point is, is that it's one of those things that I think it's, like I said earlier, it's humbling to look at yourself, you know, two years, five years, 10 years ago and be like who the fuck was that guy and <laughs> yeah yeah and then you know the great thing is if you if you can look back and say i'm glad i am who i am and not that yeah. person anymore that's good that's so a great feeling. another really humbling feeling yeah um uh, i don't know it's just like that reflection that action of just taking time to not just to think about what you were to but like feel what you were yeah especially growing up I mean, I can't speak for any older age because, you know, um, still young here, but um, it's just a profoundly, it, that's one of those like pivotal 
parts of the human experience that is irreplaceable. Like it's absolutely unique um, right. for everyone. And uh, I, I absolutely, I absolutely love books that focus on this. This is why uh, a lot of, uh, I don't know if this might just be the ones that I read, but a lot of the lost generation writers. Um, so that would be like, uh, like uh, uh, Steinbeck, um, Twain to an extent, although Twain was a bit earlier. Um, just all of those guys like Hemingway, all of those guys wrote a lot about sort of profound human experiences. And um, that's one of the reasons why I always liked Lost Generation books. But um, that's just one of my favorite types of things that reflects on sort of these basic experiences that you have that just kind of make us all human. Yeah. So I, I absolutely love that Paolini made that the emphasis of this, the underlying theme of the series. Like I, I get why everybody's drawn to it. Like, I get why, like, we started this podcast, like, 20 years after this book comes out, and we have y'all, like, just these diehard Aragon fans coming back and willing to tell us, to tell us y'all stories, because you can find fantasy and magic everywhere. You can find good writing anywhere. That's why books are published. But finding, like, a message that speaks like this to sort of a basic level, especially if you grow up with this. It's just, yeah, it's phenomenal. I'm typing in right now. You probably can hear me typing people. I'm try, typing in a question that I want to ask Paulini next time we get him on. And it, it is, yes. does he, or did he have this experience himself? And that's why he wanted to put it in there. Uh, or did he, you know, when he's writing this final book, final series, he looks back at the first book and he's like, oh my goodness, that's when I was 14, I was writing that. I was so different then. And so I, I'm, you can hear me typing people, but that's what I'm doing right now to figure out and make sure I jot it down before Absolutely. I forget the question. Absolutely. That's definitely, definitely spend some time on that for our next interview. Um, yeah. This, if any of this is ringing a bell, please feel free to contact us. Just tell us, I mean, you know, a lot of y'all say like, this is your childhood favorite book. This was like, um, just this series was like y'all's childhoods. Yeah. Um, I mean, we can't we can't say much has changed. I mean, don't get me wrong, a lot has changed. But if you think about the first time you ever read this series to now, when you're rereading yeah. it with us or listening to it with us or whatever you're doing, just following along, you know, what, what's that difference like? You know, some of you people talk about how you watched it, read it in elementary or you read it as each book came out and you're you're right along yeah. with Paulini, you know, and then it's is it 20 years later now and it's still, you know, it's still one of your favorite books that you ever written, read. So, yeah. Uh, that is a powerful message. It's yeah, especially I, I find it particularly amazing because it's wrapped up in fantasy. Mm -hmm. uh, because oftentimes people explore this in more of a real life scenario because that's you know more common. But, right. Uh, moving on with that, uh, it definitely as he is after that realization, and he and, and you know Sophia finds out his hers. Sorry, she finds yeah. out her future name. Uh, um, that. I guess it's later on when G figures out, you know, he's not who he was. Sorry. I'm, going, I'm backtracking then. I'm backtracking. When he, when Safira finds out her name, I, I feel that there is a, I'm not going to say resentment, but, I, you know, the, the attitude of Aragon is very still Aragon. And I love how yeah. he keeps on to it. My only question, they, or my thought process is, is that um, with the connection that they have in Safira and Aragon, as readers, we never get to know the true names, but we we hear in the writing that he he can feel the uh, I guess he can feel the intensity of the true name when Safira says it yeah. himself through her and see it through her. I I'm curious to know if there's a part of her true name that is also a part of Aragorn's true name. That would be or an interesting, like versa, because how. Thing, yeah. Yeah, because of how much they are together, because they are pretty much one. You know, they are they are each other's partners, and so it's just curious to me if that's a scenario that's occurred. Yeah, no, um, that would definitely be. Yeah, I don't think we'll like you know. I don't think he'll ever write out anything any like true name. I think he's intentionally going to keep that under wraps. But that would be definitely be an interesting like thing to look at. Um. Um. 
some passing notes. I'm wondering if like the shadow owls were like just a thing, like if they're gonna come back. I don't think they will, given that they're leaving the island now. But like, I'm kind of curious. Like maybe there's just like like some type of symbol. Yeah. Um, I'm pretty good at recognizing symbols, but I couldn't really like assign meaning to the owls. Um, without sounding pretentious as shit. But uh, <laughs> <laughs> but uh, <laughs> um. I had one, one little theory that okay. secret names, or sorry, true names, like there'd be like one unwrapped secret that s- true names are always changing. Right. Maybe like maybe not in significant ways, and maybe not in ways like the majority of like the intention behind the true name can remain for long periods of time, and that's how you can have you know bindings and all that stuff. But like, if you think about Aragon's realization that he's not who he was. You're never who you were. Right. Especially like at, as I guess at Aragon's age or his experiences that he's going through, like we are never the same people. Um, like just transitioning from last from the beginning of last summer to the end of last summer. I think about myself in an entirely different way. Right. Um, so like I maybe in like little tiny ways, I'd say that. It'd be like I would see a possibility where like, the true nature of true names is that they're constantly changing, just in little, very minute ways that nobody notices until they all pile up and you realize it at this moment that Aragon does. Yeah. He's no longer who he was, and he figures that out. Um, and that might be how Sloan does this. Sloan does the same thing. Like Sloan hasn't changed, or his name hasn't changed by the time Aragon. When Aragon sees him again, I believe it's in book three. Um, I, I forgot what book that was when he goes back to Alice Mara. But, um, but three, okay. Um, but I, what if the, like, it would make sense if the process was a lot more gradual and maybe some realization. I'm still holding, I'm, my mind's still on Murtag and Nesuata. But, um, oh, yeah, my, big time. My hope would be that Murtag has a similar recognition that Aragon does in the coming chapters. Um, that, allows that. Him, that allows him to slip Galbatorix's bond. Like maybe Murtag, like embracing like the bitter villainy he's become, like allows him to slip Galbatorix's pledges. My thought process uh, is that, you know, as much as I want, you know, the Murtag to redeem himself and everything like that, redemption arc, he has he was bitter about Galvatorix, you know, his whole life, right? He, he escaped, he ran away, and then he got, um, then he got captured. Yeah. And now he's back to where he was. So all, it's, I lack of better words, it's a PTSD scenario, I guess, in my head, where, you know, you're going back and there's something there that's 100% automatic. It's as if you go back to an old job you always hated or something like that, right? Or, you know, just the whole entire weight upon your shoulders that you're just like, goodness gracious. Yeah. Um, That's like like a cycle of constantly being like stuck back in the same Yeah, place. yeah, exactly. And so I don't know if, I feel that, I think this is really funny. I feel that Murtaugh's storyline, he would have a true name, right? He has a true name in the beginning. He escapes, he runs off, he gets with the Varden, he gets captured. I feel like when he's with the Varden, his name changes, right? Then he goes back and gets captured. I feel that his name changed back to maybe his original state when he uh, was before he escaped. I'm not saying 100% the same, but yeah. what I'm saying is all the emotions, all the actions are now there. He's he's now being forced to do everything. He knows, you know, it's that sen- the same scenario back again. The one thing I would point out is that names are like, you know how Gladiators is a lot longer than theirs? Yes. Because of like the just like centuries that he's been around. So like names are they're constantly being added to. So, um, like, Murtaugh's, I would say, like, yeah, it'd be pretty logical for, like, his name to revert, at least, like, re-encompass some of those old feelings, but it would still, like, the memory of that hope, or the memory of his time with the Varden, would still play a part in, uh, like, his identity and his true name. So yeah. it would still be there, um, and just be, like, added to, like, under another, like, crushing weight of depression. Yeah. Um, but... Yeah. Cool stuff. But moving on. Chapters 55 and 56. Uh, Lacuna part the first, Lacuna part the second. 
Holy shit. Um, first I just want to say I'm kind of right. I was right. What do you mean? <laughs> Wait, what are you right about? I'm right that there are, I say kind of right. I wasn't 100% right. I'm saying that there was like, you open up, there's a big cave of like dragons. They're not dragons, but at least the dragon eggs there. And okay. that their vaults and Eldenari are hidden, right? Because you said that there that couldn't was... be because he's already scanned it all. And Okay, 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 okay. My initial prediction about the Eldenari was correct. I was thrown off by the red herring that was Glader saying that he'd already scanned it all. Um, and a little bit of or, sorry, yeah, the Galvatorics having, are having already been there. And a little bit of plot armor being the memory spell um, sealed that red herring away. So I was initially right, and I should have stuck with it. That, that's what I'm going with. But um, <laughs> anyway, what a reveal. I mean, just, just what a reveal. Not just the Elden Eye, but also all of the eggs in, in the vault. Like, holy shit. Yes. That was... Yes. Um, I'm not sure how I feel about it. It's about. a dope moment. It's an absolute about the concept. Okay. Like it's an absolutely it's a re- very cool moment. Um, I'm kind of hoping that they fail. Now, you hear me out because I'm not arguing with bad. you. Um, I'm kind of hoping that Aragon and all the Eldenari fail. Right. Um, because. I get how like, great of a kept secret this is, but it's kind of, a, I don't want to say easy, because like Aragon's journey here hasn't been easy, but it's kind of a bit too easy. Um, and I don't think Palini would just leave it be that easy or that simple of a fix. Like, oh, by the way, no, like, yes, he told us this from the very beginning of the story, so it's not like a, like a just poof, there it is. But, it's, oh, by the way, I guess it continues with the inheritance cycle. It's like you just inherited a fortune of Eldenari and Dragonix. Like yeah. Aragon didn't do anything to, to get those. Like, I don't know. Like, that's not particularly true. Aragon's I, I, I get what you're saying. I get what you're saying. I, I feel that this is this is what I see. This is gonna be how I see everything happening, right? He's going to get back to the battle scene and it's already going to be on its way, right? The Varn's going to have already attacked before he can return with how long of a distance they actually have to travel. Um, he's going to come into the middle of the battle. I do believe that... They, I agree. I think they will fail. I believe that they're going to fail in that not being able to withhold Galatorius, but just to be able to overrule him and overturn him. Yeah. But this is what I think. And this is where the, the title of a Star Wars movie is going to come in handy. I believe there's going to be a new hope okay. where Bertog realizes what the scenario is occurring and what's happening. And his... Re- I, I feel that Bertog has no hope for what's, what Algeza could become, or no hope for the Varden, right? Yeah. And it, to succeed, because he can see he's seen Galvatorx's power, he knows what he's capable of, he doesn't see any way of success for the Varn. I feel that once he realizes what's occurred, either A, he's going to try and obtain more of the Eldenari that Gavatorix has, or B, he's going to you know, do his best to revolt and rebel, and that's going to make his name change, and then the other Eldenari that he's currently attached to change with him and or the Eldenari that Aragon has brought with him will kind of latch themselves to Murtaugh now also. So now it's all these dragons plus two full-grown dragons against and two riders against Galvatorix and Shurikon. Fair. Here's what I'm thinking. I like it. So um, I'm thinking Aragon hasn't failed enough. If y'all, okay. if y'all if y'all go back to my to my literary archetype spiels, um, in terms of the hero's journey, Aragon hasn't failed. He's failed into like within each subplot of each book. Right. Most mm, kind of. Like uh he's almost failed for most subplots of the books. Like obviously we acknowledge the death of Brahm is a low point. Uh, maybe his injury from the shade is low point. Um 
losing to Murtag as a low point. Like he's failed within these individual subplots. He has not failed against the main villain. Because of that logic, strictly because the rules of writing, I don't think they're going to win. I think they're going to fail the first time against Galvatorix, and Aragon is just going to... I think Aragon, like, the key... Okay, actually, here, here's, here's where it is. So, Braum was saying... Now, Braum is not smarter than... Like, Braum's not more powerful or anything than the Eldenari that Aragon's found, but Braum was saying that you have to find the weak link in Galvatorix's defenses. Right. Something he's overlooked. Now, Galvatorix might have overlooked... The, the Vault of Souls. But that's not a part of Galvatorix to overcome. I think Aragon's still going to have to find that little exception, that tiny little slip-up exception in Galvatorix's plot armor. Um, not plot armor, but in Galvatorix's defenses. Right. Because Aragon having all of the Eldenari on the side and all the elves and all that stuff, that is Aragon's fighting artillery with artillery. That doesn't, whereas Brahm is advising him, Brahm advised him in the vision to disable your opponent's artillery if we're continuing this metaphor. Okay. Um, so, I don't, the key, like this was a great reveal. I don't think it's the key. The, 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 the Elenari and the Dragon Eggs was a great reveal. I do not think that it's the key to victory. Okay. I think, honestly, I think this reveal is another red hair. Um, I feel that. Palini is putting up to say to have this big reveal, he's going to hit us with a double whammy, like the one two. He's mm-hmm. going to hit us with the next big reveal soon that is maybe maybe not like in terms of plot bigger than this one, but hits harder in terms of Aragon's own failure. Because in terms of your villain be your hero, when has the hero ever beaten the villain on the first try? Ever. Tom and Jerry. Tom and Jerry. <laughs> Tom never what? wins. Okay. Fair, but is Tom really the villain? Like, Jerry's an asshole. Okay, true. <laughs> like, Jerry's like, a complete like, asshole. Like, Jerry is such a dick. <laughs> but, um, hey, so seriously, though, when in your typical fantasy has the hero ever beaten the villain on the first try? Right. It doesn't happen. And it doesn't happen because it doesn't make sense. As readers, we would not be satisfied by the hero winning off the bat. The hero has to lose once because nothing in life ever succeeds the first time. Like nothing worthwhile. Right. Um, like that's the whole point of work and adaptation and work and um, like just on grinding to succeed. It never works the first time. So like <clears throat> Aragon has not come up against Gavis works at all. It's a fact like at all. He's not going to win this first fight. Right. Either, like, even if they don't all out fight, this first encounter with Galvatorix, he's going to lose. I'm, I'm making a prediction of that if there isn't already one up there. Okay. Um, because, like, uh, in terms of fantasy and just how we treat heroes and their struggles, Aragon has not struggled enough. Okay. He has like for the context of each plot, for the villain Galvatorix, for all the characterization of Galvatorix, no, he's, right. he's failing the first time around. And another, like, another part of that one-two punch is that this big plot reveal, this big power, this thing has the hero riding hot. Like he, he's going in hot. He's got all this firepower behind him. He's got this brand new power. He's going to fail with it. And it's going to hurt more because he had all of this power. All this newfound ability. He's gonna feel like, what if I can't do it with this? What can I do it with? Yep. He's like, um, um, oh, what's a good example? Like Tony Stark seeing his missiles get launched against civilians in Iron Man One. Not okay. a perfect, not a perfect example. I'm just going on the fly here. I get what you're saying. But Tony Stark's new ability, the Iron Man suit. Um, and his intellect in creating those. He's got all this power. An atrocious thing happens because of it. Right. And he's forced to a different action, which you see with him taking the literal fight to the terrorists. Not a perfect example, I know. If I think of a better one, I'll say it. But um, Aragon has, is riding hot with all this power. He's going to get hit hard. 
and he's going to fail even with it. And it's going to be even more devastating because he had all this stuff going into the fight. Yeah. Um, so I, I would be fairly certain that he's going to fail time around. Um, that doesn't mean that I won't believe it if he wins first time around, but all things for me in terms of writing point towards that first time failure. So I don't think this is the big reveal. Okay. Um, it's a big reveal. I don't think it's the big reveal. Um, Aragon still has to find Galvatorx's weakness. The Eldenari are not Galvatorx's weakness. Right. Um, they're a strength to Aragon, but not Galvatorx's weakness. I just know what you're saying. I think Murtag is still the wrench in the plan. Um, I, I think Murtag is still like the key. Maybe that's just my biases. But, okay. But anyway. That's, that's no, I like little, it. I like it. It's my little Very side logical. Note Very there. logical. Um, y'all about to slap me down in these comments, but, um, but uh, fair enough. Um, some, some, some side notes of this whole scene. We've, we've hit the big things. Um, I was not expecting Safira to get pissed with the Eldenari, but she made some good points. Like, I, I totally get her, her anger there. It's like, she, she gets mad because they hid while the rest of their kind were getting slaughtered. Yeah, the, the protection of the race, yada, yada, yada. But, like, she is right. Like, they... Eh, yeah. Some questionable shit. Some more questionable shit. Convincing the elf, or the, the writer, Thuvia, to blow himself up. Because, like, we, we, got, like yeah. we got the effect of that. Glader told us yeah. the story. And, like, obviously, I get all the reasoning behind it. He wanted to die anyway. They were, like, certain defeat, you know. Right, yeah, I get it. But this still. honor and all that still. stuff. That's cold. Yeah. Like, I get the reasoning, but that shit is cold. Like, like convincing, like, obviously, I know they didn't, like, coerce him to do it. He wanted to anyway. But convincing that, convincing Thuvio to annihilate the island. Yeah. By immolating himself. Wow. Yeah. Like, like this, your defeat may have been inevitable, but, like, that is still murdering hundreds of your own. Yeah. Like, wow. And yeah. obviously, I, I get it. I get the whole power, honor, and like bide your time thing, but that's still cold as shit. Yeah. Um, I think that might be used as evidence later on for like Aragon not to continue the writers. Okay. Because like, that, that's intense. Yeah. Um, another big reveal, kind of. They literally tampered with everything. Like the Elfin yeah, Army that like, was tampered with everything. What the fuck? What the fuck? Honestly, I could have done without that. Not gonna lie. I, um, I was I was already happy enough that they just kind of watched everything go on. Yeah. I didn't need them to I could have done without them interfering with everything. Like I get it. I, I get the callbacks and the connections and how like Aragon the cycle is like continuing and like Aragon, like all the power and knowledge Aragon's getting is his inheritance from the older writers. Like, I get the big themes. They're like, I, I get it. It's coming. Yeah. She's like, eh, I didn't really need them to like have tampered with everything. Yeah. Like, the visions the one, of Arya. The one thing that I realized is that, like, the only thing that I feel like they could have had it tampered with and I would have been okay with was the egg part, like giving it to, like, having yeah, it appear. That in makes a lot. Of but like, having Plus Arya appear yeah. in Gilead. And all that stuff. I was just like, <sighs> yeah, and like healing him. Yeah, healing him and like turning him into an elf during the ser- like the, yeah. the ritual and like all that stuff was like, I get it. I, I totally get it. I get the themes. So okay, just like, yeah. there was a moment when the god spoke to him. Right? Was it a dwarf god or was it someone else's god? Untera didn't speak to him. He just approved, like, like the presence came during Oryx's crowning. Okay, okay, yeah, yeah. Do you think that was also them? No, absolutely okay. not. Okay. I think they would have mentioned, like, Palini, that was them, Palini would have drawn attention to it. That's fair. God. But, um... But yeah, no, I was kind of annoyed about that. Yeah, yeah I, I wasn't the happiest with the, like, I, I honestly was completely fine just leaving that in open air. Yeah. Um, but, no, yeah, that's fair. The only thing that's kind of funny, and this is obviously just like a macabre like idea for me, is that that just really means that Aragon hasn't done shit himself. Like, 
it's like the only conclusion <laughs> i drew from hearing that like those five just like manipulated all of the plot from book one just means damn aragon really didn't do anything like obviously i know he did but right, um, but yeah just makes it seem like eh. I, I think it's really funny though because gavatorix has this appearance and shows it within the writing that he just plays puppet master and the irony is that they do the exact same thing. They're yeah. playing Puppet Master too. Yeah. I, I think all of those parallels are going to be arguments to not continue the writers. That's fair. Or like to continue them somewhere else. I don't know how that's going to work out. But I get um, what you're saying. The question, like, it's a really subtle way of still raising the question. I am, like, curious, I am curious to know how do you decide which eggs are going to be for the writers and which aren't? I was thinking about that too. Maybe I missed something. I feel like I did too. So if we did, please let us know. But yeah. from my understanding, it's just I thought it's like Yeah, I thought I guess, it was my, like only, a... I guess my only thought process is, is that the dragons chose like, oh, we're gonna let you guys have these eggs due to the agreement that we had, you know, prior and then in the past. That's my yeah. only thought process. Like that every hundred eggs, we're gonna give you one, or every ten eggs are gonna give you one. Like <laughs> it would suck yeah. to have the tenth egg. But my point being is like. That's my only thought process that would make sense, I guess. That's fair. But yeah, yeah, I was I very know. confused with that. Yeah. Uh, yeah. But that All was right. that's cool. Um, finally, City of Sorrows. Um, heavy Minister vibes. I forgot about that. Um, okay. With uh, with the city. Because, you know, you got, like, the big, like, backed up against the cliff edge and, like, defending all that. Just, you know, major Minister vibes. Yeah. Yeah. Um, I do love this little detail of Roran ranting about how magic is like the unbalancer because yes. it's, a, it's the yes. hero's parallel yes. to Galvatorix's yes. idea. Yes, ah, yes. I was literally thinking was, the same thing. Dude, I was when I read that, I was like, oh, I know what he's doing and I love it. I know. Like, it that was so well done. It was that, so well done. And a part, oh, of me, part of me, my next thought process is like, oh, fuck, Galvatorix is going to get into Roran's head. And then Roran's gonna be on like on Galvatorix's side. He's gonna be like, I would love to see that. Honestly, God. like that that would be some really interesting shit that I would love to see. Um, I think no, I I would like pay money to have Roran listen to Galvatorix's spiel. Like I'd say, I'd I say, would pay money for that shit. I'd say wait to finish the book before you offer to be paid to read it because we're gonna read it anyway. I mean, I'm kidding. I'm kidding. I'm kidding. Fair but yeah. But yeah, um, no, yes, definitely. I, I think that was I really cool. I love that. I love that little sentence of like, just ah, because you have I've, like, sorry. I wonder if this is going to be a scenario very similar to in Harry Potter with the Horcruxes, right? And you think about like how the take the the first one that they had with the um when they were traveling around was the locket, right? And when Roran overboard, when Harry opens it for Ron. You know, it spews out this mist and it chants or it tells Roran about his fears and his greatest doubts and his worries. Like, I wonder if there's a way that Gavatorix gets into Roran's head like that and just pushes every single button. I doubt it. I doubt Gavatorix will pay Roran any attention. That's true. I mean, he did kill his twins. The twins. Yeah, but like, the, 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 way to put it. Uh, no, no, it was the twins. But like, I mean, yes, but like, what did they mean to Gavatorix? I mean, I, they provided a lot of information from the Varden, I feel like. Yeah, but I mean, Galvatorx And they is, also brought Murtaugh. Fair, but like, Galvatorx's attention is going to be on Murtaugh and Aragorn. Yeah. And the elves. Like, they, I don't think he's really going to pay attention. Yeah, that's fair. But um, I still love that parallel that, like, magic is the, like, the only injustice. Yes, it was that like, was so good. That was so well Oh, yeah, I was just like, uh, that was juicy. Like, that was just, ah. Uh, yeah. That was fucking, that was a great mm. touch. Um, yeah, Roran yells at Oren. Oh, well, I was disappointed. Um, yeah. Obviously, I'm not surprised by Oren's character or lack thereof anymore, but like I had hope in book two. I did too. I did too. But it, it makes yeah. sense. And what Yormadur says about, you know, fear and what it does to men, it makes so much yeah. sense. I, I do like the dynamic between Yormadur and Roran. It's basically it like hilarious. Just, like two exasperated veterans just like <laughs> just like tired of this shit yep pretty <laughs> much pretty much just pretty like much. those two guys in the company that like have families and don't want to argue with you 
Yeah. Um, <laughs> at the at the end of this at the end of this last one, the city of sorrows. Um, the moment with Roran and Katrina just bugs me. Like it's a great, a very yeah. touching moment. What bugs me is that something's gonna happen. Like just in my oh, head, yeah. I just feel like oh, that's yeah. what that's what's bugging me. Like yeah. that's nothing to do with them. They are great. They're a cute couple and everything, but yeah. it just makes me. Yeah, she's like, this is so perfect, and I was like, oh god, somebody gonna, somebody gonna, somebody gonna, somebody oh, gonna right now, somebody gonna. <laughs> Uh, as we are going into this last battle, let me phrase it. As we are going into this final big scene and thing, I believe the last battle of the series. Uh, do you have any other predictions? If not, I should. We should probably go through ours just to make sure that everyone's kind of caught up and know oh, yeah. what we're doing. Um. Okay. Predictions. Remember, die X Rider. Oh wow, these guys remember So, um. Let's see. Roran is invincible. I stand by that one. Okay. Arya's the love interest. Nothing can change there. Murtaugh Redemption Arc that dies. Nothing changed there. Horse will die. That's your prediction. Yep. Masuad is the third dragon rider. I'm sticking by that one. Okay. I, I believe can't... here. I'll do mine. Oh, whoops, scroll. Wrong area. I'm not with you. Uh, I'll, put, I'll put Armin next to that one. And I'm going to put Arya as the next rider for Chip. Still don't get what this green one could do. That again? Still don't get what this green one would do. Yeah. Because like I feel like it can only be the new egg, right? Because like I don't know. I don't know. Um, because like we already got like we already got I I have a I am pretty confident saying we got the last of the big dragon secret reveals, you know? Okay. Yeah. With the Eldenari and the eggs. So like where is this dragon gonna come? I have no idea. I th- I still think it's Nasuada's means of escape. It's a fully grown dragon. Is what's getting? What's 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 bothering? I don't bothering. think I don't think it is though, because like Safira looks pretty similar to this one on the cover of book one. <sighs> That's fair. Um, I, I still think it's her means of escape. Oh, yeah. But anyway, um, Roran's next conflict: Katrina giving birth. I think that's gonna happen sometime soon. Yeah, it'll happen. It's either gonna be like during the battle. Yeah, yeah. It's like like uh, what is it? Um, Will and Elizabeth like getting married in the middle of the fight. Yeah, yeah. Will that? Yeah, marry yeah. us. What? Uh, marry us. Your ship captain, marry us. Um, yeah. Um, Nasuato will be bound to Galvatorix. Eh, I'm not so sure about that one. Um, anymore. After the torture ones, I'm not so sure about them. Obviously, we'll leave it up to see if it was correct or not, but right. I don't think that one's right. Um, Angelo slash Tanga will have the answers to the true names, a way to get Murtag slash Nasueta slash Aragons. Well, we know that's wrong for Aragons because we figured out his own. We don't correct. know if Murtags and Nasuadas will come into play. Um, I think we can go ahead and mark that one incorrect. I was mostly thinking Aragon. Okay. Um, I still want to know how Tenga, like, if that was just, like, a passing thing or if he's going to come back. Um, and for, for the battle, um, I'm just going to go ahead and put first-time failure. Okay, yeah, that makes sense. Um, but other than that, I don't think anything else comes to mind. It's like most of the predictions, like not, we haven't gotten really any new information that's changed the vast majority of the predictions. That's true. That's true. Um, let's see. Maybe uh, what is the high-ranking official death? What's the what? High-ranking official death. Did it Yormandur or Warren? Yormandur or Islandzad? Or Orin, if he goes to battle. Or Orin or Orin. I think I don't, any, think, I, I don't think it's going to be a high-ranking death. I'm going to say leader deaths up in the air. Okay. I don't think Orc, because like, there's no need to like replace the Dwarven line of succession again. Yeah. We already did that once this series. Um, I think Islan Zadi would be an interesting touch if Arya has to go rule. Mm-hmm. Um. Jormundur just because 
he's the second in command, and yeah. Masuada's coming back somehow. Right. And I think he's less, less like, I like, probably like less probable than Islanzabi. Right. And then I, I still don't think it's going to be Roar because I still think Roar is going to be the no death. Yeah. Um, this this prediction just says leader deaths up in the air. Okay. Um, maybe Nargarzvag as like a passing death because you know he's not that big of a character. That's true. We don't hear a lot about him. Um, I do wonder if there's that one Dwarven clan will come help. I doubt it. Yeah, it's not really a need to bring it up. Maybe Bearcats. Eh, I don't know. I guess yeah. I'm just yeah. going to keep the leader that's up in the air. Yeah. I don't really have any more. Yeah, it's about all for me. Yeah. Again, thank you all for supporting us, listening to us, and being a part of our community. We hope to grow even bigger and as we go through other fantasy series through the years we hope that you all stick with us um either you're reading something new or you also find something you had a childhood great memory of and we get to bring it back to life for you uh i don't really have anything else to say we should be good to go i know holidays are kind of right right around the corner they always you know spring up upon us um with exams coming too we always try to take a break so army can study uh, for his exams Keep, an e- uh, keep a lookout for your emails on your emails uh, for those Patreon supporters as we're about to do our November raffle uh, for the interview. If you want to join into the raffle, please go to the Patreon link below. Uh, it also has our Facebook and Twitter uh, below too, uh, or in the descriptions, wherever that is in that streaming, uh, which you're using. Uh, please go click on it uh, or follow us on Facebook and Twitter. I've gotten a lot better at posting the reading sections. I'm still not great, but I do do it most pretty much every week. Uh, with that being said, though, we appreciate all of you. Armin, do you have anything else to say? I do not. Thanks, as always, y'all, for your listenership, for your support, and take care. That's a wrap. Flights of Allegasia is produced by Chip and Armin. Hosted by Chip and Armin. Graded by Chip and Armin. Edited by Chip. Music is by Oscar Barbeza. Website is by Chip. Illustrations are by Birdie Taylor. Thank you for listening. Have a great day.